Welcome in 8 o'clock. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. District 51 schools running about two hours behind this morning. Keep that in mind. A very snowy Friday. This hour brought to you by Preston Lee. A country financial believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee. Country Financial. All right. That's Joseph. Apparently he's coming back to Denver. Apparently. There's a lot to unpack here in the 8 o'clock hour. Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Radio, is going to join us. Also, Jackson Wilson, I believe, uh, later on this hour from River City Sportplex. Talk a little abs hockey like we do every Friday with Jackson Wilson. But uh, Cody Rourke's going to join us. Talk about why. Why Vance Joseph? When they talked with Rex Ryan. When they talked with Chris Richard, who had been the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks when they beat the Broncos in Super Bowl forty-eight, I was kind of rooting for Chris Richard to be the DC in Denver. But Matt Patricia, while not a great head coach, terrible head coach in Detroit, awful. And, and how much? And how much of that? Once again, it's like the enemy thing with Reed. How much of the success Matt Patricia had as the DC in New England was Belichick it's tied to Bill Belichick, who we know. Like Andy Reid on the offensive side in KC, Bill's fingerprints are all over the Patriots' defense on what they do. So, you got some thoughts today on Vance Joseph? Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Love to hear from you today. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. I, I just, I'm still a little bit of, wow, okay. Um, this is the direction they decided to go. It's it's surprising, isn't it? Very. I mean, I, I thought initially it was okay. Been a DC in the league. Sure, they'll they'll, they'll talk to him. They'll they'll interview him, but they weren't going to actually do it. They're not married to the idea of right going with Vance. Joseph. Just because they're talking to him doesn't mean anything, right? Well, apparently it did. Okay, it's time to go around the NFL. Yeah! The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right. So multiple outlets reporting that Vance Joseph, one-time Broncos coach, will be the team's next defensive coordinator for Sean Payton. Vance Joseph, when you you look at the numbers for Vance, is the Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator? Uh, There's a mixed bag there. There's some good. Some good. In terms of total defense, 13th, 11th, but also in four seasons, 21st, and then 32nd. And there are how many teams in the NFL? 32, last time I checked. Got it. Unless they've expanded overnight. The XFL was like, hey. (laughs) One of our teams in? No, no. So here's some numbers that that I, I guess speak to Vance Joseph getting hired. When his defenses have been healthy, they haven't been bad. When he was there when in Denver, Broncos ranked sixth in defensive EPA, expected points added, during his two years there. Cardinals struggled in his first season as the coordinator in 2019 and in 2022 when they had a lot of injuries. But Arizona ranked 10th in EPA across the 2020 and 2021 seasons, and that one year got them in 2021, got them into the playoffs. Part of this is also a connection to some of the players that are still there. Mm-hmm. Justin Simmons, Josie Jewell. That the athletic says that Joseph calls an aggressive 3-4 defensive scheme that similar to what Ajiro Vero did, who's now Carolina's defensive coordinator. Broncos blitzed at the league's fifth highest rate of the NFL last season under Averro. And though Joseph's teams typically have not brought extra rushers, that some of the philosophies about when to bring pressure and from where are likely to carry over. And so that gets back to the text, I believe, that Dylan had about Vance just dropping defensive linemen back and brings no pass rush. That that could change. That could be something that a philosophy change that's forthcoming with this, with with Vance Joseph, what he's done in the past may not be what he exactly does 
right now. Just in, in, now with the Broncos moving forward. Coaches, though, don't tend to change a whole lot, though, and what, what they believe in from a philosophical standpoint. The scheme itself may vary. It may change. It may adapt to new situations, or at least you hope it would. But the general principles, the general philosophy really doesn't. Also something that that's an aspect to consider here is that the Broncos are expected, now with Vance Joseph there and Sean Payton, to keep secondary coach Christian Parker, who could very well end up getting an opportunity to be this team's D.C. if they don't hire Matt Patricia and that Vance Joseph fails to deliver, and defensive line coach Marcus Dixon. That Parker's been obviously very involved in the development of Patrick Sertan, though uh, Sertan was pretty, he was pretty, pretty good re- ready-made coming out of the box. N- no assembly required right. for the all-pro cornerback. But that Parker's been getting a lot of credit for developing Demari Mathis. Remember the Chargers game with Demari Mathis, which is getting used and abused, and you know, P.I. You know, after P.I. getting called on him in that game. Yeah. That he turned into a, a pretty serviceable starting cornerback opposite Patrick Sertan, and just did that as a rookie. When Ronald Darby went down, Demari Mathis developed into a consistent performer on the other side of Patrick Sertan. Simmons has had 11 interceptions during Parker's first two seasons in Denver. It's the most among NFL safeties during that stretch. So keeping Christian Parker and Marcus Dixon are are, are part of providing guys that the players already know and trust in terms of that secondary and the defensive line. So that's a smart move on the Broncos' part to keep two guys the players already know and Perhaps some philosophical ideas will will trickle over from, hey, here's what we did previously with Ajiro Vero, and some of those things could be part of it. Now, this is not the first time the Broncos have fired a guy as the head coach and brought him back. The aforementioned Wade Phillips would be, though the time span yeah, was, was a just, lot longer. I was going to say, because Wade Phillips know, was fired in, what, 93? Yeah, went there, was there from 93 to 94. So but they came back and coached in with Gary Kubiak in 2015. So that's 21 years. Yeah. Of time between when Wade Phillips was a the head coach in Denver and the DC or yeah, the DC in Denver when the Broncos went to the yeah. Super Bowl and won. It's different. It's yeah, that was and ancient by the, history. And by the way, in between that time, Wade Phillips got another head coaching job with the Dallas Cowboys. And also had other coordinator jobs or he was with the Houston Texans as their DC under Kubiak. For a little bit, you know, he, he had other things and other defensive acumen that he was building up. He worked with DeMarcus Ware, which helped a lot on that Super Bowl 50 roster. You know, it, it he had a lot of stuff, a lot of time in between and a lot of build up resume building that he was doing. Vance Joseph can't say the same thing. So, Vance Joseph looks like he's back as the defensive coordinator. You also have the the report from Adam Schefter from the mothership that the Broncos are hiring former NFL quarterback Davis Webb to be their quarterback's coach. This was the one that set me off. He was the backup for the Giants last year. Here's the interesting thing about this, though. All right. The, the Webb was actually offered the job in Buffalo to be the quarterback's coach there, but decided to not retire and decided to play another season. That they offered him the quarterback coach job to Josh Allen. So apparently there's something about Davis Webb He's, that that it, in, is enticing to, to teams, Buffalo and Denver, about being a quarterback coach. They really like how he holds a clipboard. I don't know. The technique, how he, how he him handles... The clipboard and the headset, because he did that a lot. But he comes from the kind of background that's the right background, though, of being a backup quarterback and being able to to, to digest a lot, see a lot, as opposed to just just coming from from an you know from a non playing perspective. He does bring that to the table. That while he didn't start all the time, was was not a regular starting quarterback in the league or anything like that. 
knowledge of the position and very recent knowledge of playing the game and the challenges of it and knowing schemes and things like that. I, I, I'm going to defer to Sean Payton because Sean Payton is still going to be the guy that's going to drive the bus with this offense and with Russell Wilson. But you bring a guy in that's played in the league and recently played in the league as of this last season. I, 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 I guess I kind of see where Sean Payton's going here. It's still going to be, it doesn't concern me as much as it does you because it's still Sean Payton who will be making the decisions and providing the guidance on the offensive side. And that's totally fair and and true. I, you're absolutely correct that, yes, it will ultimately be Sean Payton who is coaching up Russell Wilson and the offense and Davis Webb's role as the quarterback's coach, not necessarily moot, but just sort of it's not as important or maybe not as um just like you know he's not going to be necessarily in line to call plays anytime soon like Clint Kubiak was last year right he's Webb's just gonna be working with Wilson providing some additional instruction providing that extra here from Sean Payton Davis we need Russ to understand you know this particular part of this play or whatever and He's the consistent message. He's another message deliverer outside of Sean Payton. Does that make sense? I I guess I just and maybe maybe I'm a little offended because he's the same age as me. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I just okay. So people a, say that Wade's too old to be a DC. You're saying that Davis Webb's too young to be a quarterback coach. He's gonna be one of the youngest assistant coaches, one of the youngest position coaches in the league. 28. 28. I'll be 28 in two months. Somebody sounds like they're a little jealous. Uh, of course. <laughs> Obviously. The, yeah, I, look, is I know, Davis Webb coming in to, if it was if it was Zach Wilson in the Jets <laughs> and you brought in Davis Webb, you might go, what are they doing? Don't you want an experienced quarterbacks coach? Guy that, that like, like a Clint Kubiak, guys that have, have worked with quarterbacks. Don't you want somebody to come in and it's that you're know, a Greg Roman guys like that, that have been also OCs to work with your quarterback. It's a young guy. Yeah. But obviously Russ is not a young guy. No, he's 34. And, and so, and has a lot of skins on the wall and Super Bowl championship and two trips to the big game. So like I said, it doesn't bother me as much because of Sean Payton's role with this team. So, and as far as the offensive side of the football, being the head coach, being the guy that's most likely going to be the play caller, and most, and will be the architect of the Broncos' offense. I just think, and and maybe I'm being a little a little harsh when I say this, and that's fine. If you can't beat Daniel Jones for a starting quarterback job, how much do you really know about being a quarterback? Doesn't mean he's not smart, and he doesn't know how to play the position, and can break down film and. Maybe athletically, he just isn't good enough to play in the league to be a starter. Good enough to play in the league, but not be a starter. I mean, what? Daniel he, Jones can't it can't go 50 yards without tripping over his own feet. Well, you don't bat an eye when other guys, though, are, are that have maybe not even played the position, but have coached for a long time, are, are coaching at that position. I just, maybe, and... You have to start somewhere. Every single well, yeah. coach that has ever coached in the NFL at some point got a job somewhere, started, you know, started from the bottom. And Russ has got here. Jay Keeps. He's got his own guy, which supposedly will be not allowed in the building. Not allowed in the building, or will eventually have maybe grow to having very, very limited access potentially down the road because Drew Brees eventually got that situation okayed with Sean Payton, but it's not going to be like it was. Team three is not going to be roaming the halls, raiding the vending machine. Right. You know, that, that's not going to happen anymore for, for Russ's guys. But also, uh, Joe Lombardi, who was on the Chargers staff, the offensive coordinator for uh, uh, Brandon Staley last year, that he is going to be on the Broncos staff. We don't know what role that will be. Could be the O.C., 
and he's worked with Sean Payton before. So there's this is the third could be the third time that he'll work with Sean Payton. So there's familiarity there. Of course, the grandson of the great Vince Lombardi. And he got canned after the loss to Jacksonville, which wasn't really his fault. <laughs> no. And so, like I said, once again, it's Sean Payton, like Zach Strafe and others, that he's bringing in that he has familiarity with, that he's worked with before. And some like like Davis Webb that are, that are a little bit, uh, you know, they're outside the traditional Sean Payton coaching I think I'd be, family. I think I'd be less rah-rah angry about the Davis Webb hire if Davis Webb had just you even more like ups- a You're more upset about this than Vance Joseph, aren't you? I am. I, I'm totally more upset about the Davis because, again, you can't beat Daniel Jones for a starting quarterback job. I don't trust you to coach quarterbacks. I'm sorry. I just don't. Once again, it's what Sean Payton's there for. I I, I that's, get that. That's what. That's why they. If he had just made even, the trade. And, if he had even just like if let's and I'm not saying Davis Webb can't be a good coach. I'm saying go coach at the college level first. Go be a position coach at wherever you know Florida Atlantic University or Middle Tennessee State somewhere. Go through or even like even something like offensive quality control or you know, kind of lower, lower rung. I mean, this is quarterbacks coach. This that's heartbeat away from OC. It just, it doesn't seem to me like there's enough skin on the wall to just tell you, you're working yourself up into a lather. I know about something that to me, isn't that big of a deal. I'm just trying. I'm trying to be a help. I'm trying to be a friend here. I, I appreciate okay? that. Okay, trying to be a friend here. I appreciate that. Vance Joseph, I could see why you'd be this upset. Davis Webb, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm a little befuddled. It just. You're. The impact that he has, isn't what Vance Joseph's impact is going to be. That is that we can agree on. And trying to stop a streak against Kansas City, that was going on when he was the coach there. Also looks like the Broncos, as we continue on around the NFL. According to uh, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, the Broncos are going to hire Greg Minuski to be their inside linebackers coach, so it does not look like it'll be Matt Patricia. Also, Michael Wilhoit will be the outside linebackers coach. That's from uh, the Broncos' unofficial mouthpiece, Mike Kliss. Minuski and Wilhoit, uh, both guys that played in the league, played linebacker in the league. And so guys that had experience also coaching as well. Um, Minuski played for, for Washington, Minnesota, and Kansas City from 88 to 1990. Not 1999, excuse me. Then became a coach in 2001. Was with the, uh, with the then Redskins, now the Commanders. Then joined the, the Chargers as a linebacker coach in 2002. Was there through 2006 as well. So looks like it will be... Those two, Michael Wilholt coaching the outside linebackers and Greg Minuski coaching the inside linebackers for the Broncos. Also, we mentioned that uh, Ben Steele, former Palisade Bulldog, Mesa State tight end, NFL player, special teams guy, longtime coach, uh, was the Broncos' assistant offensive line coach then got the chance to be the uh, headline coach when uh, Butch Berry got fired right there at the end of the season, that um, we're hoping Ben would get to stay in Colorado. But fortunately, he has to pay movers. It's not too bad because he'll be in Arizona. Uh, He'll be the Cardinals tight ends coach, working with the newly hired offensive coordinator Drew uh, Petzig for uh, their new coach, Jonathan Gannon. So glad for Ben to get a job. Yeah. Good good to hear that Ben... uh, because he he deserves that opportunity. It wasn't you know the, the line played better? I thought whether you know I don't know how much Ben could do in just you know a brief period of time, but not uh, much. But uh, thrill. Wish Ben could have stayed, but thrilled for Ben that he's going to go to Arizona and is going to have a another job in the NFL coaching tight ends. All right. So uh, text or call us nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. Also, um, 
Bobby Wagner and the Rams parting company this morning as well. So uh, Bobby Wagner, one-time Seattle Seahawk, is going to be out in the open market. And you had XFL action last night. We do not want to leave out. Oh, no. The XFL. Where the St. Louis Battlehawks, they're 2-0. And they've been able to take advantage of the unique extra point opportunities in the XFL. Because last night, they were in Seattle, and they were able to beat the Seattle Sea Dragons. Now, the week before, they, they beat San Antonio. They were able to come back from a 15-3 to deficit with less than two minutes to play, thanks to a three-point conversion and a 4th-15 and onside kick alternative, which is the, you go for it on a 4th-15, and A.J. McCarron to um, Ricky Prohl's kid, completes the pass, they convert, or, and, and they're able to keep the football, and they go on to win that game against San Antonio. And so last night, an eight-yard touchdown pass from Ben DiNucci, one-time Dallas Cowboy quarterback, to Jordan Vesey gave the home team a one-point lead. Instead of going for two to make it a three-point margin, Seattle tried for three from the 10, and they failed. That means Seattle would get a win and not force overtime with a last-second field goal. Quarterback A.J. McCarron led the drive. Remember when the, a lot of people thought A.J. McCarron should come to Denver after he beat the Broncos? It's a Bengals quarterback. I vaguely recall that. Uh, anyway, he gave the Battlehawks a, a chance to kick a 44-yard walk-off field goal. Dottie Hagman came up short on a 50-yard try later in the game, nailed this one to give them the victory. And former uh, NFL wide receiver Josh Gordon held a one-catch 33 yards for the Seattle Sea Dragons. We're now 0-2. That's where Josh Gordon ended up. He is playing in the XFL. And your St. Louis Battlehawks, who have yet to play a home game, by the way, and they were one of the better um, supported teams in the last version of the XFL, will have a home game coming up. But uh, there's the unique extra point comes into play. Help the Battlehawks get a win in week one. Seattle tries to to use that to their advantage to maybe secure a victory, and it backfires, and they and Seattle wins last night. Or excuse me, uh, St. Louis wins last night. Oof! There you go. Your morning XFL update. There you go. No place else can you get it than right here on the Jim Davis Show. Okay, actually, probably lots of places. You yeah, could, probably you could probably get it. All right, eight twenty two, and it's time to play the Piles' favorite game on a Friday, which is where in the world is Tyler Franz? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where the hell is he? Well, I can't find him. You cannot hide forever. I will find you. Chance to win beer today. Fat tire from New Belgium Brewery and High Country Beverage. Must be over the age of 21. And if you've won within the last two weeks, please do kindly sit this one out. For where in the world is Tyler Franson today? We go very niche. Spring training venues or at least former spring training venues. This Cactus League spot was host to the two major league teams that are represented on this show, Monday through Thursday. While it still stands and is used by a college team, it has not hosted spring training since 2010. Where in the world is Tyler Franson? All right, text in your answer right now. Must be 21 or older. If you've won the last two weeks, please don't play the game. Text in now. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. Got a text about uh, from Steve about the Russell Wilson trying to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. We're going to save that and talk to Cody Rourke about that coming up in just a moment. So that was a story. We had lots of other things. A lot of stuff. A lot of other stuff to unpack there and around the NFL, but we uh, we will not forget that one, Steve. All right. So text in 970-242-1340. Your thoughts on Vance Joseph coming back to be the Broncos defensive coordinator. A special Friday appearance from Mile High Sports Radio's Cody Rourke. That's next on the Jim Davis Show. Stay by the radio. You are listening to the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. And a special appearance... With My Life Sports Radio's Cody York normally joins us every Wednesday. Cody, how you doing? How was the trip to Chicago? It was good, Jim. Had to reset a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's good to be back home, back in the swing of things, and uh, good to be talking with you. And a lot to talk about. Let's start out. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack today. 
Vance Joseph, according to all reports, will be the Broncos' next defensive coordinator. Not the first time the Broncos have brought back a fired head coach to be their defensive coordinator. They did that with Wade Phillips as well, which uh, turned into a nice situation with a Super Bowl 50 victory. But uh, your thoughts on first up, is going, with Rex Ryan, who seemed like he was the favorite, they, they talked to Chris Richard, they talked to a lot of different guys, Matt Patricia. Why Vance Joseph? Considering how things have gone in Arizona, at least the, the numbers of lead would make you question that a little bit. Well, I, I think it's kind of a multifaceted kind of a, uh, approach situation here. You know, looking at uh, all the other candidates, you know, the initial report came out that Rex Ryan was the favorite, but that honestly came from Rex Ryan's agent, and it wasn't necessarily something that came directly from the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos literally are not letting anything. Like, they're not telling anybody anything. We That's very, very clear now with Sean Payton and George Payton and how they're operating, but you know, with all the guys that they talked to, I, I think it's fair to say, like, we all knew that Vic Fangio was the, the first choice, was the, the first option that Sean Payton had hoped for. But obviously for Vic, it was a situation where the previous dynamic, you know, just being barely a year removed from being fired, like going back there was an awkward thing for him. He didn't feel like it was the right move for him. He went to Miami. Um, and then from that point, the Broncos focused their attention on several other candidates. You know, with Vance Joseph, I think – for what I've seen from him in Arizona, you know, in 2021, their defense was playing really well, and they were generating a lot of takeaways. They were getting pressure, sacking the quarterback, and it all got overlooked by their disappointing finish to the season where, you know, Kyler Murray and the offense sputtered, and they lost to the Rams in the wild card round there. But uh, Vance was in consideration for head coaching jobs after that year. Now, last year, I think that there was just, there was a lot of things going on in Arizona. You know, I think outside of how bad the offense was, I mean, we talked about how bad Denver's offense was. The Cardinals' offense is one of the worst in the NFL as well. But defensively, they were decimated by injuries in the secondary, at linebacker. Uh, you know, the front office failed to address the loss of Chandler Jones opposite, you know, at the edge rusher position. And I think a lot of that really impacted, you know, what they were able to do. Um, you know, I think that while we can all look at those things and say, okay, well, hey, Vance Joseph didn't work out in Denver's first time. Why is he coming back here? But Sean Payton has the belief that he's the right man for the job out of everybody he's interviewed. And I know for a lot of fans of Broncos country, they're like, I don't see it. I don't get it. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see why Sean Payton did that. Yeah, Broncos ranked sixth in defensive EPA, expect points added, when he was in Denver. And there's a lot of injuries, uh, you know, as, as you referenced uh, when he was there. But they ranked 10th. The Cardinals did an EPA from 2020 to 2021. And, of course, 2021, they were in the playoffs, as you referenced. So, I mean, there were, there were moments there. There's, it seems like it, it is such a mixed bag with them. There, there are some good numbers and there's some bad numbers where, in terms of total defense, they dropped to the, the bottom half of the league this last season. And, and, and just the, the way things – I think a lot of it is it's through the lens, Cody, of – he was a terrible head coach in Denver, and how and 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 how can be how can he come back and be the, the kind of guy that can lead this defense, which was you know a top ten defense this year. A lot of people loved Jiro Vero. I just yeah, Broncos fans. I think they're still looking at him as a head coach. It is a different situation this time around with Sean Payton there. Yeah, and and you know what I, I think for for Vance him not burning any bridges, you know when he got fired from Denver, he could have very well said it, you know because it was a dysfunctional time in Denver. Yeah, he was very classy year. about it. Yeah, I I thought he was very classy. One hundred percent, all the way classy about it. You know, it's a good example of why you know you just never you never burn any bridges. You know, when you're in the coaching world, because when you're up for a job, you know it's an entirely new regime now in Denver than when Vance was previously here, which I think is also a good thing, but. Uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, can he take the Broncos' defense and what they were able to do last year? Can he maximize it even further? Right? Can we? Can he get after the quarterback? I think an interesting thing to note here is that even when Vance was here in Denver, I mean, the Broncos were getting after quarterbacks. You know, you, 2018 Vance's last year, you had Han Miller and you had Bradley Chubb. They both combined for 26 and a half sacks, two double-digit sack leaders there uh, in the National Football League. And then for, since then, like, the Broncos haven't had great sack production in the last couple of years. And they didn't have a double-digit sack leader at all last year. You know, and so for Vance Joseph, he's got to come in and, you know, you got to hope that Randy Gregory can stay healthy, but you got to be able to utilize what Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, and some of these other guys can do. And 
for me, I think you have guys in the back end of the secondary. I think with Justin Simmons, I think with Patrick Sertan, Damari Mathis. I think you have pieces to do a lot of things maybe you weren't able to previously do. Probably a lot more man coverage in certain situations. But, you know, I, this is one I felt like probably was the best hire because Rex Ryan hasn't been in the game for a long, long time. He, he wasn't even in the NFL when Patrick Mahomes first came in. So how, how are you going to adjust and, and coach a defense when you haven't coached or actively game-planned against how the offensive game has evolved in the NFL in the last eight years? To me, that was also something that stood out to me, why I didn't think Rex Ryan was probably going to be the guy at all. So now they're rocking with Vance Joseph, and for Sean Payton, you know, he's assembling his staff shortly, uh, you know, shortly but surely. Cody Rourke with us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Broncos blitzed uh, the league's fifth highest rate last year. And something you already referenced that in regard to Vance Joseph, you know, Denver was productive when he was there in terms of getting to the quarterback, but he's not known for bringing pressure. And could we see that change a little? You know, coaches don't tend to change their philosophy, but could we see that philosophical change happen with Vance Joseph in regard to maybe bringing more pressure with this group? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think you have to look at, okay, hey, here's what our personnel can do best, right? And you look at guys like Alex Singleton, if you bring him back, Josie Jewell, Denver had a lot of success when blitzing those guys. They were able to get after quarterbacks and make the pocket a little uneasy for guys. You know, a big question is going to be, is Draymond Jones going to come back for the Broncos this year? Are they going to re-sign him or extend him to a contract? Are they going to let him walk? Are they going to place a franchise tag on him? Can DJ Jones stay healthy this season? Outside of that, you have to really hope you're going to be banking on a defensive end, especially even if you lose Draymond. Like you're going to be banking on Matt Henningsen and Inyoma Uazarike to really step up. And you know, I think with Vance Joseph now being the DC, let's say Draymond departs, I think Denver takes a look at Zach Allen, member of the Arizona Cardinals defense, who set to become a free agent. But I mean, there's so many different questions approaching this offseason. You know, while I think there are plenty about the offense, I think there are plenty about the defense as well, which makes things even more intriguing with free agency coming up. Your thoughts about Davis Webb being the quarterback coach? Because my colleague, Mr. Franzen, is losing his mind about this way more than Vance Joseph. I hate it. I absolutely you, you, hate Your it. thought about Davis, why Davis <laughs> Webb? I know the Bills were interested in him being a quarterback coach for Josh Allen. He decided to go ahead and, and play another year in the league with the Giants. Why Davis Webb at the age of 28? Yeah, so I initially I was like, why? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But n- n- the more I start to see it, the more I realize it. Sean Payton is going to have a major say in a lot of things that Russell Wilson does. He's going to be working a lot with Russell Wilson. So for a guy who's coming in as a player, and, and obviously for a guy like Webb, like he's been talked about for the last three or four years as a guy who's probably going to be a coach when he's done playing. And now this is the case, going straight from being a player to now being a coach. I, I, he's young. He's t- I mean, he's younger than me you know, by a couple of months here, Jim. So uh, for me, it's, it's definitely interesting to see. And you're like, why? You know, you're going to have a 28-year-old guy working with a 34-year-old quarterback and, and, you know, a guy that doesn't have, a, you know, a lot of NFL experience outside of being on some teams, some practice squads, and only having one career start, which came last year. The bigger question I ha- have is, like, Sean Payton is going to do a lot of coaching and mentorship, not only just for players, but also for a coach like Webb. You know, so I think what better way to get a start in the NFL, as we've seen, than investing in guys who have played. I know that was a major emphasis in some of the interviews that the Broncos were conducting. Outside of guys who just coached, they also wanted to look at guys who have coached but who have also played the game at a high level. And that's what they're doing with Webb. They're also doing that with Zach Banjo, who's coming over from the Arizona Cardinals as the assistant special teams guy. He's going to get to work and learn from Ben Kotwika, who's got a lot of experience, but also he's going to learn a lot from Mike Westhoff, which will help him as a young coach continue to grow and develop. I, it's unorthodox, and it's certainly a risky move, but I can see why Sean Payton's doing it. I'm not mad at it, but you know, at the end of the year, you have to say, are the, are the you know, results going to show that it was a good move? We'll have to wait and see. We have the question about the, the, the Russ scandal coming up in a moment. I want to ask you about that, but I want to kind of wrap up our, our discussion about coaches for this team. Joe Lombardi, Chargers offensive coordinator, who's worked with Sean Payton before. This could be the third time, I believe, that, that Joe would work with Sean if he's hired. Might possibly maybe be the offensive coordinator. Uh, what are you hearing about Joe Lombardi joining the Broncos staff? Yeah, so from what I know right now, he doesn't have an official designated title just yet. That's at least public knowledge. You know, he's going to have an offensive role. I'm not sure if it's going to be 
as offensive coordinator. I'm not sure if it's going to be as a senior offensive assistant, um, someone that's going to be useful there. I know they also have a couple of offensive quality controls. We know Logan Kilgore, uh, who also coached Arch Manning at Newman High School. Uh, he's going to be on the staff, to my knowledge. But at, right now, it's not a... It's not known what Joe Lombardi is going to be doing, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the offensive coordinator. But, I mean, the fact that it was announced that he's on staff but no title just yet goes to tell me he may have a bigger role than that. Well, iSports Radio is Cody Rourke with us today on the Team Sports Network. A couple other hires we want to mention that uh, the Broncos fired Greg Minuski to be their uh, inside linebackers coach. Guy's been in the league, played in the league for a long time, played with Washington was uh, with Washington and the Chargers during his career. Uh, actually, I'm assuming he was at uh, Kansas City as well as a player, but longtime linebacker coach. And then Michael Wilhoyt will be the outside linebackers coach, so another guy that's played in the league at the linebacking position. Two, uh, two experienced guys, both as players, but also as coaches as well. Yeah, you know, with Minuski, he's a former defensive coordinator in the NFL, more recently spent time with the Minnesota Vikings as a linebacker coach for them. He's now coming over as a trusted guy for Sean Payton. And then you look at, uh, you know, Will Hoyt, you know, he played the, he played, you know, in the NFL, a special teams guy, played linebacker. Uh, and also for him, too, when he left his, you know, days as a player, he got into coaching. He was an assistant initially for Sean Payton, and he grew into a defensive assistant for Sean Payton in 2019 and 2020 and has been getting some valuable experience uh, the last couple of years. So he's ready to step into a little bit of an elevated position. I'm curious to see how it all pans out because, you know, an outside linebacker, you have a lot of questions. You know, how can you develop a guy like Nick Benito even further while still having Randy Gregory and Baron Browning as your starting projected outside backers? How does Jonathan Cooper play into this consideration? What about Jacob Martin? Uh, you know, do the Broncos need to go on free agency, get another edge rusher, or the NFL draft? I mean, there's so many questions about this position. I'm not, you know, I think for me, outside linebacker is definitely a question, considering you do have a young and not as experienced coach there coaching it. But Burt Watts was only a, you know, has only coached the NFL two years, and he's now entering his third year with Carolina. Thought he did a really good job with that position group specifically last year. So, you know, there's a reason. Like I said, Sean Payton is. is gone through this whole process methodically it's taken some time i think some moves definitely people question like ah, i don't know what why they're going with this guy but peyton has a plan and look i think broncos fans just have to trust the process right now and wait to see how things play out your thoughts in comparison to last coaching staff because we're excited about the youth and everything coming in this is a little bit of a mixture it does a lean a little more veteran obviously but i guess just your initial reaction to who is comp- who comprises the staff for Sean Payton? Um, not necessarily. I'm. I'm just. I'd say I'm probably more relieved that Marcus Dixon and Christian Parker are returning. I felt yeah. like those were two non-negotiables. You needed to find a way to keep these two guys on staff. I think Marcus Dixon's done a tremendous job with the defensive line. I think Christian Parker just even like getting to know him, watching him coach and teach. I'm a DB guy, and talking to Broncos DBs. Uh, he's he's a great coach. He's well regarded, and he's also his name has been put on a list, you know, around NFL league circles about him being a potential coordinator in the next two to three years. So for him, his name is going to continue to rise, and what he's done with that secondary has been impressive. Um, so for me, I would I would say that's the biggest thing I'm probably relieved about about Sean Payton's coaching staff is knowing that you're going to have these two guys on staff still. Yeah, Christian Parker, no doubt. He's I know you speak very highly of him. And, and who knows, hopefully it doesn't turn into break glass in case of emergency, but maybe Christian Parker takes over the defense if things don't go well with, with Vance Joseph. There was some talk that maybe you know, Minuski could be that guy as well. Let's just hope it works with Vance, right? He seems like a nice guy. Everybody deserves another opportunity, and let, let's hope it, it works out for Vance Joseph. I, I want to wrap it up, Cody, with the story that's in The Athletic about Russell Wilson trying to get the Seahawks' ownership to fire Pete Carroll and general manager John Schneider. Just your, your, your thoughts on that story. His, Russ's team, obviously, they're, they're denying that, that he ever tried to do that. Yeah, and, and Russ obviously came out on social media today and, and said, you know, the opposite, that he never did that. And, you know, that's kind of out of character. Like, we never see Russell Wilson kind of respond to things on social media like that. You know, I just, for me... You know, there's some things that were in that article that were true that we've that we've known about. Like, you know, right. we've known he's had the office. We've known that certain players are like, ah, I don't know why he has that. But then, you know, at the end of the day, 
a lot of the players that I've spoken to personally have said, like, yeah, he's always the first guy in the building. He's always the last leader. He spends so much time at the facility, and he's, he's putting in work. Like, that's the thing. So, like, I, I can't knock him for that. Um, I just feel like we're at this point now. I feel like every week we wake up and there's some brand-new Russell Wilson slander going about. It's like, all right, he's not in Seattle anymore. We, we already know a lot of things that happened there. It was not a very um, good split for them. It was, you know, they, they wanted to mutually part ways, but it was ugly. And it was, in a public perception, Russ wanting to get out of Seattle. And sure, you know, maybe he wanted to do certain things differently. You know, one thing he asked for, I remember, was having some input on, you know, hey, like the offensive line, like he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL throughout his career. And this past year obviously didn't help with him being sacked 55 times. Um, but, you know, he wanted some say in, in the way that they were doing some things. And I think every quarterback has that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has done that. Peyton Manning has done that. I mean, Peyton Manning pretty much ran the Broncos office in 2013 and told Adam Gase, have your game plan on my desk on Tuesday. Like that was how Peyton Manning was. But, you know, when you're winning, Jim, Nobody cares. When you're losing, it becomes a sore subject. And I just, I, I think people just need to move on from the Russell Wilson slander and smear campaign. We get it. He had a rough year. He had an awful year. He played terribly. Everybody can acknowledge that. But at what point do these reports come out where it becomes, you know, where, you know, it's becoming more personal now? It's almost like every week people are trying to assassinate the character of Russell Wilson. I don't get it, Jim. I've had great interactions with him. I've sat down with him and I just, Ask him how he's doing, just in general. I'm not talking football, but good human being. I just don't understand where all the smear keeps coming from because the Seattle chapter is over. People right. Move on. Like that's that's my biggest thing. Move yeah. the hell on. Yeah. Look, is he is he a goofy Tommy tryhard kind nerdy kind of guy? Yeah, he is. All of us are to one degree or another. I, I think it. You know, but for the most part, I think he's a he's a a caring guy. I think he's a well intentioned guy. And you're right. I think every week it's now let's find let's find some other piece of poo to fling at Russell Wilson to talk about what a bad guy he was in Seattle. It didn't work out. It was a bad relationship. Everybody wanted it to, to come to an end. And now everybody, you know, I agree with you. It's time to move on. Let's get off the back of Russell Wilson. Okay. Hey, Cody, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. Catch uh, Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Radio, weekday afternoons. On Mile High Sports Radio, you can go to uh, their website and stream it there as well. Read his articles. Great stuff always in the Broncos from Cody Rourke. Cody, appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you guys. Go Tigers. All right. There's Cody Rourke. Take a break. We'll come back. Jackson Wilson will join us. River City Sportplex. Avs and Winnipeg tonight. Wild one last night with Seattle and Boston. Holy smokes. What an, what an incredible game last night. This Boston season continues to be an amazing one. We'll uh, talk with uh, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, coming up next on The Jim Davis Show. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 848. Jim along with Kate today. Your reaction to Vance Joseph. Looks like he'll be the new uh, Broncos defensive coordinator. Russell Wilson apparently wanted Pete Carroll and manager John Schneider fired. Then the trade happened. Got some thoughts. Text or calls 970-242-1340. Joining us right now, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex. Jackson, how you doing this morning? What's going on, Jim? Doing good, man. How you doing? Good. I thought we'd save the trip. The, the weather's not great and the roads are kind of nasty. So we thought we'd just save you a trip in today. But we always enjoy having you in the studio. So I, I want to ask you before we talk about the avalanche. How about that Seattle-Boston game last night? That was oh, man. one of the wilder ones I've seen in a while with Boston winning 6-5 to five last night over Seattle. Yep, so Boston, too, again, just probably the favorite to win the Stanley Cup right now. And they go out and, you know, credit to Seattle, who they're in their second year of their organization, and they're looking pretty sharp early. So they could make some noise in the playoffs, the, uh, the cracking up there in Seattle. Now, for the Avalanche, they're, they're dealing with the concussion situation for Kale McCarr. The other day, Jared Bednar said that don't expect Kale to play this weekend. And it, it turned into a discussion about the NHL and its concussion protocol. Because after the Pittsburgh game, should he have even been on the ice in the St. Louis game? I guess just your, your takeaway on that situation. Uh, you know, it's tough. Concussions are still super hard to, you know, see, like, 
because you can have someone that gets a concussion and then they pass all protocol and they're doing great. And then like a Kale McCarr or even, you know, you can go back to even to, uh, you know, the Dolphins quarterback, you know, if you send them back out too early and they get a second concussion now, you know, did you just, you know, have a multiplier factor on these guys' head injuries, um, even though they cleared or looked good when you put them back out and, um, and, you know, it's tough sometimes, too, because you'll have a guy that gets a concussion and you're like, oh, he's good, he's all right, and then, boom, he gets that second one right away. And now he misses twice as much time. Um, so, you know, I think I, – I know the NHL has spotters, just like the NFL. They relay down to the bench to get guys off the ice if they feel like they um, have a head injury or need to be evaluated. Um, and, unfortunately, what I think happened to Kel McCarr is that, you know, he gets that second one. And, you know, they spot it, and they get him off the ice, and he obviously didn't pass his baseline. And, you know, now they're holding him out. And because he had two concussions in two weeks, it just creates an even, uh, you know, an even bigger, you know, um, deal to where they want to rest him up and make sure that, that they're not, you know, hurting his brain any more than um, already has been. So, you know, I think, it's, I think it's super tough with managing all these concussions. There's still a lot of information to find out about it. Um, and, you know, and, and people just want to try and keep guys healthy. But with that being said, you know, a big, big loss. Um, he's such a good player that it's going to be tough, uh, tough for them kind of without him. But, again, you know, they still got a little time before playoffs, so hopefully they can get all healthy and uh, get ready to start rolling before then. Jackson Wilson with River City Sportplex with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, the trade deadline is coming up very soon. And for the Avalanche right now, they, they could – could make a move. Uh, Eric Johnson's out. Going to be out for a while. The Avalanche have to make a call on him ahead of the trade deadline and his $6 million cap hit. I mean, theoretically, the apps the apps could have $13 million in cap space at the trade deadline. More likely, it'll be around $7 million. Do they make a move, and what move do you think they make at the trade deadline? I think they, I think they make a move, for sure. Um you know, it's hockey, it's tough. You always have rumors of guys available and guys not available. Um, you know, I I think they still try to possibly find a center. Um, they could look for another D-man now that EJ's out, and then they could always use that new second-line center, right? We've talked about it a little bit all year. They just haven't really found that guy on the uh, second line that's the middle centerman to be able to score some goals, create some offense, so... I could definitely see him going out, maybe putting together a package deal, getting a defenseman who's like could be the fifth or sixth defenseman um, to fill in for injuries and you know just plug in, plug away, penalty kill type guy, and then maybe a forward. Um, you know, and and honestly, you know, it's uh, it'd be a pretty sexy move, but you know the Patrick Kane talks have opened up yeah. again, where Patrick Kane might be wanting to get moved um, out of Chicago. So, I mean, that's a guy too. You could, I think there's enough wingers, um, on the avalanche roster, but still that's a guy that has won three Stanley cups and you could bring him in. He's unbelievably talented and an impact player. And, you know, he could be a rental to help, uh, push these guys towards another Stanley cup. Yeah. Because they're, they're it's limited now because Ryan O'Reilly seemed like that was gonna be a logical move. And then he got traded the day the avalanche were in St. Louis. He gets traded to Toronto. Jonathan Taves is off the market because of his health concerns. Sean Moynihan is out with an injury, and that was another name that popped up. So trade deadline is coming up next Friday. So uh, yeah, we'll keep your ear to the ground, folks. Uh, we will at least oh, yeah. on the radio on our radio program about who the Avalanche might uh, possibly make a move for, and we'll also talk with Connor McGahee coming up next uh, Wednesday as well. Get the latest uh, from Connor about that. Jackson Wilson with us today. Uh, what's uh, shaking right now at River City Sportplex? So we have uh, Western Colorado Hockey League playoffs this weekend. So we have, um, I'll be traveling over to Eagle and Breckenridge later today, but we are hosting at River City Sportplex the 13 and 14 year old B division playoffs over the course of this weekend. We'll have a few games tonight and then some this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. So if you guys are, Feel free to want to come down and watch some youth hockey. Uh, there'll be a bunch of hockey down there this weekend. But everything's running great. Sydney uh, Ash, our skating director, has a very successful learn to skate going that we just started back up. So a lot of uh, little boys and girls are looking to learn how to ice skate and trying to kind of funnel them through the, uh, through, the through the learn to play program or the figure skating program and keep them on the ice. So, you know, just kind of wrapping the season down really in the uh, – 
you know, the meat of things right now uh, at the end of February, wrapping up all the playoffs and end of the year tournaments. But uh, it's been super fun. So uh been a busy year down at River City so far. Yeah, very, very busy year. But uh, as far as the, the playoffs go, what time does that start when people can, can stop by? And that, that's free to go watch, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah, it's free. And, it, and it's just youth hockey. And, and this level of youth hockey is not, you know, our, our most elite level that we offer. Um, you know, but it is what we're able to host. And, you know, as our first year in the league, it was a uh, big deal that they even allowed us to uh, to host some games. So I believe our first game uh, this evening is at about, I want to say, 5 p.m., about 5, 10 p.m., and then another one follows that at about 6, uh, 6.30, 6.40, and then at about uh, – Eight ten, we have a public skate this evening too. So if you want to come down, you can watch a little bit of hockey about seven eight o'clock, and then hit the public skate right after eight o'clock and skate around a little bit too. All right, RiverCitySportplex.com. If you need details on anything going on, learn to skate, curling. It's all there. RiverCitySportplex.com. Jackson, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, man. And next time we got the icy roads, hopefully uh, it'll actually be a little icier and I'll skate over to the uh, studio. That'd be great. I'd I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. (laughs) Mother Nature's got to make that happen for us. Hey, Jackson, I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, fellas. All right. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, with us on the program this morning. All right. Coming up next hour, bring you some of the sound from last night. Uh, Both Mesa basketball teams winning at Western last night. We'll also preview the uh, Fruit of Monument boys at Smoky Hill tomorrow. Jake Aguirre, Wildcats boys, head basketball coach, will join us at 920. So uh, we have that coming up next hour. Do we have a winner, by the way, for Where in the World is Tyler Franson? Yes, we do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Evan, our winner today, correctly answering High Corbett Field in Tucson, Arizona, where they filmed Major League, the start out of that movie, the first of the uh, the movies from Major League. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with hour three on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.